This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. This is the fourth in a series of podcasts looking at respectful academic discourse. This one focuses on soft bullying and microaggression within organizations and academic institutions. Now, there is an insidious way of silencing those who are not in lockstep with the majority in organizations and academic institutions. It's called soft bullying and microaggression. These are sometimes used to mute and muzzle minority views and dissenting voices. The result is that the diversion ideas and conflicting views and disagreements that are so essential for the health and evolution of any organization, especially academic institutions, are lost. To mute and muzzle is to engage in practices that devolve and decay the foundations of the academic institution in which they occur. And it conflicts with the standards for respectful academic discourse held by the academy. So let's look first at soft bullying. There are two reasons why this is particularly destructive and should not be tolerated in any academic institution or organization or anywhere. First, it allows implicit bias and bigotry to fester. And second, it creates environmental toxicity. So let's look first at implicit bias and bigotry. Quite often, those who engage in aggressive soft bullying may not be aware that they're doing so. The biases of individuals may be camouflaged with those around them or the policies of the institution. Especially in higher education, well-educated people may not believe they are capable of biases. However, we all have them. You can take the implicit association test to identify a variety of different kinds of biases that you might have. All human entities have implicit biases of some sort. It's only by being aware of them that we're able to avoid acting on them. So let's differentiate between bias and bigotry. A bias is an unconscious cognitive tendency. Bigotry is being consciously aware of and acting on these cognitive tendencies. If left, left to fester, biases can calcify into hardened beliefs, creating the scratched lens of bigotry used to view and interpret reality. Biases and bigotry come in a wide variety of flavors and forms, including racism, ableism, sexism, homophobia, religious bigotry, ageism, wealth and classism, cultural superiority, paradigmatic parochialism, and cultural superiority. Now, there's a natural human tendency to create categories for other human beings based on some trait. However, these can become cognitive shortcuts that circumvent deeper processing and analysis. And accumulated toxicity. A single incident or a few subtle incidences of soft bullying usually do not rise to a level that would be detected by Title IX investigations. Also, an individual reporting aggressive soft bullying to HR would most likely get little attention. But over time, the small acts described below are like drops of water on your forehead, creating a toxic environment. On an individual, the accumulation of these acts can have both psychological and physical impact. 
and on the level of the academic institution, important views and voices are lost. So let's look at bullying with a soft voice. Soft bullying, sometimes called bullying with a soft voice, occurs when views are purposely excluded, when conversations are held without or around a faculty member, when meetings are set up in ways that lead to a predetermined outcome, when faculty members are continually marginalized and diminished, and when repeated requests for information or conversations are ignored. These are all examples of bullying with a soft voice. All forms of bullying occur with conscious intent. As stated earlier, a single incident of soft bullying doesn't rise to the level in which Title IX or HR would take notice. But over time, a toxic environment is created by making it difficult for the recipient to perform the essential functions of one's job. Now, there's two, other, there's two kinds of soft bullying. Bullying by majority. This occurs when a majority of individuals within an organization hold a particular view or adhere to a singular theoretical perspective. Here, the individuals within the majority are well aware of their majority. Their views become the, quote, correct, unquote, ones that are used as a form of academic cultural superiority. These that are held as the standard to which all other views are compared. Views that differ from the majority are considered deficient or deviant. Minority views, if allowed to be expressed, are met with derision or rejected without serious consideration. And bullying by seniority. This occurs in all types of organizations, but seems to be most prominent in colleges and universities. Here, senior members of a faculty or department are openly hostile to the views of untenured or unpromoted faculty members that are not in alignment with their own views. Also, other untenured or unpromoted faculty members who feel at risk see the treatment given another. It's called social learning. Some of the treatment includes not voting to support that person for tenure or promotion. This creates the condition whereby untenured or unpromoted faculty members don't dare to speak out even when they may disagree with a particular view or even when they disagree with the treatment given another. They fear reprisal. This is particularly destructive because those with seniority may be in the minority, yet they use their status as senior faculty members to force compliance. After a time, the forced compliance becomes a given reality shared by the group. We see these bullying tactics played out at the national level in the political realm, where decorum is replaced by partisan vitriol and where an established democratic process is purposely subverted. In an academic institution, these tactics may not be as overt or visible. However, the conscious intent is the same. It's to use bullying tactics to ensure one's own power is maintained and one's own goals are met. When this occurs at academic institutions, it's even called plain politics. 
This is a dressed-up term for acting selfishly and unethically in order to get one's own needs met. These types of bullying behaviors should not be acceptable in any form, especially in institutions of higher education. However, conversations with faculty members at any college and university indicate that this is all too common. Now let's turn to microaggression. There are various forms of microaggression. Microaggression are small bits of bigotry, discrimination, slurs, abuses, or suppression, usually based on racial heritage, ethnicity, identity, or ability. However, varying forms of microaggression can be used against any marginalized group, including those with minority views and dissenting voices. So, it is a subordinate, superordinate term, microaggression. It's a superordinate term to include microinvalidation, microinsult, and microassault. These can be both implicit and unintentional, or explicit and intentional. Microinvalidation uh, 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 micro first. This occurs when verbal comments or behaviors are used to negate, nullify, or demean the ideas, comments, or experiential reality of another. Microinsults are subtle negative and demeaning comments. In terms of academic discourse, these are the written or verbal comments that subtly demean a person who holds a particular point of view. They include discourse that's mocking, sarcastic, or snarky. Now remember, when using respectful academic discourse, it's acceptable to disagree with ideas and then make your case. It's not acceptable to disagree by insult. The last micro area is microassault. This is the explicit and unintended derogatory comments, actions, or exclusion behaviors. These include comments specifically intended to demean or diminish. In academic settings, this would be derogatory comments made to students or other faculty, such as, she's not qualified. Other forms of microassault include scheduling meetings without informing somebody, purposefully excluding someone from a committee or work group, spreading malicious rumors or untruths, yelling, suppressing or distorting another's academic accomplishments, or making, making false accusations or misleading statements. It could also include offensive jokes, slurs, or name callings. Now, the line between microassault and outright harassment is sometimes blurred. However, whatever label you give it, any action that disrespects or disparages another person or tries to mute and muzzle minority views and dissenting voices are not to be tolerated in any academic setting, as well as the larger academy. You can disparage the idea but not the person. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.